Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, October 14, 2012. Today's message is Making Every Effort by Pastor Ryan Cochran based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Before I begin the sermon this morning, I wanted to read you a, a short letter from, from um, Bob Cron. He was not able to be here last night. There's an ordination service happening in Prince George this weekend, so he was not able to be here. Uh, but he wanted to, uh, to send a letter of congratulations, and so I wanted to read that uh, for you this morning. To the saints at Ebenezer Baptist Church, let me first put on my regional minister hat and congratulate you on reaching this milestone 85th year of ministry. Ebenezer Baptist has remained faithful and true to its mission and calling, and we, as an association of churches in B.C., respect your dedication to the cause of Christ in your community. Now, let me put on my former pastor of Ebenezer hat. After reflecting on my many years of serving Christ in the church, I have concluded that my time at Ebenezer holds the number one spot in my heart. You loved me and cared for us as a family. You ceaselessly prayed for me and we saw God do wonderful things while working together. My passion for Christ's church was renewed and I worked with the greatest board of elders, both men and women. My daily prayer was, God, humor us. In spite of our weaknesses and insecurities, use us to bring glory to your name. And he did. Thank you for calling me to share ministry together with you, Bob and Don. Let's pray together. God, our hearts are full of thanks this weekend. And Lord, we thank you now for your words spoken to us. Lord, we believe that it is life. And so we receive it now from you. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. It was a great night last night as we celebrated 85 years of God's faithfulness. We celebrated it through stories and through singing and through really good food together. And we were also blessed last night as Pastor Norm brought us a message about how Ebenezer, in our 85 years, is one part of God's larger plan and purpose throughout history. Last night, Pastor Norm reminded us from the book of Ephesians that what the church does here on earth 
impacts what happens in the heavenly places. The heavenly places is is that reality that we cannot see with our eyes. It is the place where God and his angels and Satan and his demons dwell. And what we do here in the physical world has an impact on the heavenly places. What Paul tells us is that when the church comes together in unity and functions together like the church is supposed to function, that the rulers and authorities of the heavenly places take notice and they see God's plan and purpose to bring all people together in unity in Christ. The rulers and authorities of the heavenly places take notice when they see what God is doing in the church. This is an incredible thing for Paul to say. Just talk practically a little bit about what this means for us as a church. Uh, What Pastor Norm, what, what Paul was saying is that right now, when Ebenezer comes to worship and to serve Christ, when Ebenezer comes together as Jew and Gentile, brown and white, poor and rich, liberal, conservative, and NDP, young and old, When the church comes together to worship and serve Christ, those in the heavenly places go, aha, that is what God is doing. That is God's plan and purpose for the whole world. All of those categories that I listed that tend to divide us, and I could have listed many more, those categories that tend to make us feel superior over one person or make us feel inferior Uh, compared to another person. These divisions, these uh, categories that cause conflict with people, that's what Satan wants to use to divide us. But in Ephesians, Paul says that in Christ, God brought down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. The greatest and highest wall that divided people in the history of the world and that continues to divide people today, that it came down in Christ and that all other walls came down with it in Christ. In Christ, it was made possible for all of us to come together in unity. In Christ, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, foreign or alien, foreigner or alien, all are one in Christ Jesus. When the angels and the demons see Ebenezer, They see a picture, however flawed and imperfect, of what God's plan is for the whole world. When I think of that, I I kind of laugh sometimes. Because I know, as the leader of this church, how imperfect our unity is. I know, as the leader of this church, how I often stumble in leading us and bringing us together. I know how stubborn and stiff-necked many of us are. I know how much we struggle to really love our neighbors as ourselves. When Paul says that when Ebenezer comes together, that the angels and the demons see what God's plan and purpose is, it kind of makes me laugh. It's pretty hard for me to believe. Norm, it seems to have a little more faith in it, I think, than I do. But at other times, I do know that it's absolutely true. I've told you the story before about the conversation I had with Gloria a couple years ago. She was just over two years old. We were sitting together at night before she went to bed, and out of nowhere she said, Daddy, heaven is in the sky. 
And I responded, well, yeah, heaven is in the sky, but actually, heaven is all around us. We just can't see it with our eyes. And immediately she said, yeah, but sometimes you can see it at VBS. Sometimes you can see it at VBS. That's right, Gloria. Sometimes you can see it at VBS. And you can see it when our, our church family comes around a grieving family who's just lost a loved one. We can see it then, too. And I can see it when I'm having lunch with a couple of our dear Filipino ladies, and they tell me about how much our dear sister Lorna Isley, who passed away this year, about how she cared for them when they came to this church. And about how now, because of that, they have hope and they pray for our church every day that our church would welcome those who come here. Yeah. We can see it sometimes. And you can see it sometimes when our church comes together to pray and support families who have had pregnancies end and not turn out in the way that they had hoped. And we see it when a couple youth sacrifice a Saturday morning to ride a bike 25 kilometers in the rain. And we see it when we sit down to share a meal together. Heaven is all around us, but we just can't see it with our eyes. Or maybe we can. The scene in Revelation chapter 5, where men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation bow and sing praises to the Lamb. That is God's plan for all things. And now, through Ebenezer, that plan is revealed to those in the heavenly places. Now, Ebenezer is a picture, a flawed and imperfect picture, no doubt, but a picture of what God has planned for all of creation. So that was Norm's sermon last night. Let me start on my sermon today. Our actions in the church right now have an impact on the heavenly places. While we cannot see them with our eyes all the time, it seems that they can see us with theirs. When they see us, we have an impact on them in their perception of what God is doing. What happens on earth has an impact in the heavenly places. And this morning, what I'm going to show you is that the reverse is also true. What God has already done in the heavenly places has an impact on the way that we live today. What we do here on earth has an impact in the heavenly places, that is true. What is also true in the book of Ephesians is that what God has done in the heavenly places has an impact on the way that we live here. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, going to read verses 4 through 7. Paul writes, Ephesians 2, verse 4, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms 
in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. I want you to notice in verse 6, it does not say that God will raise us up with Christ and he will seat us in the heavenly places with him. It doesn't say that. God raised us up with Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly places. Paul is talking about something that God has already done. Already. Right now, in the heavenly places, we are seated together in Christ. This is a mystery. Certainly don't know fully what it means, but it's what Paul tells us. He has already raised us with him. He has already seated us with us, with him in Christ. Through our faith in the death and resurrection of Christ, God has raised us up with him and has seated us with him there. Already. It has already happened. This is not something that God will just do for us someday when we die. He has already done it. Our heavenly life has already begun. We have already been invited into the heavenly places where we can come before God in prayer. We have already been invited into the heavenly places where we have been made pure and have been forgiven and have been made holy in the sight of God. We have already been seated together in Christ through our faith in him. What God has already done in the heavenly places in seating us together with Christ this also has an impact on the way that we live now here on earth. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is the shift in Paul's letter from talking about theology and talking about uh, the things that are happening in the heavenly places. In chapters 4 through 6, Paul gets really practical. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, this is what he says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul does not say that we need to create the unity. He says that we need to make every effort to keep it. God has already created it, chapter 2. He has already created it, it already exists, and we are called to live it out here on the earth, to keep it in our relationships with one another. And that's what the second half of Ephesians is all about. The second half of this book are instructions about how we as the church are to live out this unity that already exists in the heavenly places. How we are to make visible the invisible realities of heaven. Our life together in the church is a visible expression of this invisible mystery of God raising us up with Christ and seating us together with him in the heavenly places. Our life together in the church is to make visible this invisible reality. So Paul gives this very practical advice in these last three chapters about how we're to relate together as husbands and wives how we're to relate together as as parents and children, how we're to relate together as co-workers in the workplace. Chapters 4 through 6 are a description of how to live together in unity. The final goal of all creation is that all things will be brought together in unity. And the church is to be the place in the world right now where this unity is being sought and is being lived out. 
We already know what the rest of the world doesn't know. We already know what God is planning to do at the end of time. Revelation chapter 5, bringing every tribe, tongue, and nation together under Christ. We know the end of the story. And so we are to live right now in a way that reflects that, in a way that reflects that we know that it's true. The church is to be the place where the unity that God will bring in the future is being lived out now in the present. The way that we act in the world, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we love our neighbors as ourselves, the goals that we set for ourselves in our life, the practices that we do, the things that we choose to live for, how we love one another, all of these things anticipate Revelation chapter 5. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to suggest to you that this verse is why it's so important to be a part of a particular local body of believers. All of us who are Christians are a part of the body of Christ that exists throughout the whole world and who are somehow mysteriously seated with Christ in the heavenly places. This includes billions and billions of people throughout the world today and throughout history. But it's impossible to live out the kind of unity that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4 with a billion people. But we can live it out with a few, can't we? Committing ourselves to a local body, a small group of people, makes it possible to live out the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As we commit to a small group of people, we can learn how to love one another. Or as Paul says here in Ephesians uh, 4 verse 2, learn how to be completely humble and completely gentle and can be completely patient. I'm learning a lot of that with you guys. Just kidding. Learn how to bear with one another in love. It's in these relationships with one another, in this local body, that we learn how to do this, how we put into practice the unity that exists in the heavenly places. Over 85 years, Ebenezer Baptist has been a local body of people who are seeking to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ebenezer has done that imperfectly for sure. There has been division There has been times a lack of humility. There has been a lack of gentleness, a lack of patience with one another. Often we do not do a good job of bearing with one another in love. But there is much about our history and much about our story, about our present reality right now, where we can point to and say, yes, this is where we have been faithful. This is where we are living out this truth and this calling from Ephesians chapter 4. So I want to ask the question, what's next? We want to grow more deeply into this calling. This weekend, we celebrate our church's 85th birthday. God created this church and has built this church to be one of millions of local churches throughout the world who are making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We want to live out this calling At Ebenezer's 90th anniversary, at Ebenezer's 100th anniversary, if God would be so merciful to keep us here, we want to be able to say that we have made every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to live out this calling. So how do we do that? 
Over the last couple of months, we have spent time looking back over the last 85 years of our church's work in ministry. And we've remembered and we, we have celebrated what God has done. Every Sunday, we've had come, somebody come up and share a story about a ministry that has been important in the life of our church. We've heard people give personal testimonies of things that God has done. You had an opportunity to share your story, and we put together a timeline last night where we got to hear stories, some of them funny, some of them deep and very meaningful, but all of them stories of our relationships here in this church. And we heard more stories last night as we gathered together. So we've been spending time, uh, we've spent time looking back on where God has taken us and some of the things and stories that have been important to us. God has done some great things. And now, as God's local church here at Ebenezer, here on Fraser Street in Vancouver, as a congregation, I want us to begin to turn our attention, attention to our shared future. We've thought back on our past. Let's now think about our shared future. Where is God leading us? How can we more faithfully live out the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? What does God want our congregation to look like when we celebrate our 90th anniversary? The Ebenezer leadership, staff and elders and deacons, over the last couple of months, have begun a time of discerning God's direction and vision for our church. And I want to share a little bit about that this morning, and I also want to invite you to be a part of it. This process is going to include a time where we consider uh, our present situation, our present ministries, the things that are happening in our church, the strengths of our church, the resources that God has given us, and how we need to use them more effectively for his kingdom. This process will include considering the the shape and the function of our present ministries and asking whether or not they are winning and building lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, as our mission statement says. And what ministries might we have to uh, say no to in order to better fulfill that calling? Or what ministries we may need to say, yes, this is working, but here are some things we need to improve on. This process will also include naming some of the present challenges that we face as a congregation, some of the obstacles that we have in our church to live out this calling that we have in Ephesians chapter 4. So over the next six months, the church leadership will be in prayer and discussion. We'll be receiving outside assistance from our NAB conference leadership and also from the Forge Missional Training Network to help us see and discern God's direction for our congregation in the coming years. Our church is really blessed with dedicated volunteer leaders. Your elders and your deacons, as well as your pastoral paid staff, care about this church a lot. They are passionate about seeing Ebenezer be a healthy body that is expressing the plans and the purposes of God. But there has been a sense among the leadership in the last couple of years that we are putting a lot of effort into things. We're working really hard, but are we seeing the kind of fruit that we need to be seeing from our effort? And so this process that we're going through as leadership is intended to give us some clear direction for where we need to put our time and our energy and our resources so that we can move ahead together in the future that God has for us. 
I'm excited for this process. It's no doubt going to be painful. It's no doubt going to be a challenge. But I know that God has good things in store for us, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. And on behalf of the congregation, I want to invite you to be a part of that process in a few ways. I believe that the Spirit of God is among the people of God. While church leaders are given the responsibility of discernment and leadership, I believe that God is living and dwelling among all of his people and that your words, your experiences have something to say to us as leaders about where we are and where we need to go. And so the church leadership wants to invite you to speak into this process in a couple of different ways and to participate in a couple of different ways. First, we want to ask for your prayers. We are seeking God's direction for our congregation, and that will only come through the prayers of the body of Christ. I humbly ask for you to pray for us. Pray that your church leadership will be able to hear and discern the voice of God in the direction that he has for our church. In your daily prayer life, please make it a priority to pray for us. In addition to your own personal prayer life, I want to ask you also to join together corporately in praying for this process. In the next six months, there are going to be times uh, throughout this, uh, the course of the six months, we're going to invite you to pray with us corporately in one way or another. Uh, times of fasting, times of gathering together for prayer. The first one of those is this Saturday morning at the prayer breakfast. This Saturday morning, we're going to be praying about this process and praying about some of the, um, the circumstances and the situation that we find ourselves in and asking that God would lead us through this process. So this Saturday morning is your first chance to come and to participate with us in this process. In addition to prayer, we also want to invite you to speak and to share about your experience at Ebenezer, as well as your hopes for our church. And we're going to be inviting you to speak in a variety of ways. Uh, The first way is through a very simple church survey. A church survey. There are a bunch of copies of them at the back at the Welcome Center. And tomorrow, in your email box, you will also receive a link to where you would be able to fill out the survey online. You can fill out the survey in either place, either on paper or over the internet. This survey is about 20 questions long and has been developed in conjunction with our church leadership and NAB leadership and FORGE leadership in order to help us discern some things that we would like to hear from our congregation. This survey is for everyone, for children and youth and for the oldest people in our church who have been here for 85 years. This survey is for everyone and we're inviting you to participate and to fill it out. I want to remove myself for a second from our leadership, and I want for you to consider your volunteer lay leadership, your elders and your deacons who spend hours of time sacrificing for us so that we can have events like we did last night, so that Sunday school and family night can run, so that we can make sure that our seniors are being cared for, so that we can make sure that money is being cared for properly and being used in the proper way. Your elders and your deacons do a lot so that this church can be the best that it can be. I want to ask you for their sake and for their time and energy that they put into this, that you 
would consider very seriously this survey so that they can hear from you and better lead you. I'm asking for 100% participation. 100%. Your elders and deacons and staff and other leaders sacrifice a lot of time and energy in order to lead this church, and we're inviting you now to speak into this process so that we can lead you better. We recognize that for some of you, Reading and writing is not easy for you, maybe because uh, you're older or maybe because English is a second language. And if that's the case, if that's a challenge for you, we want to offer our help. For the next two Wednesdays, uh, after Challengers and also after Wednesday Night Family Night, uh, I will have people available to help you if you have any questions about the survey, if you don't quite understand a question, if you don't know quite how to answer it and you would like for somebody to help you articulate what you're trying to say. There'll be somebody there after Challengers and also after Family Night in, to help you. So you can come either at 1 o'clock on Wednesday or 8.15 on Wednesday night if you're not a part of one of those ministries, and we'll have someone there to help you. And this survey is going to be the first of many opportunities over the next six months where we're going to invite you as a congregation to speak into this process. We'll have some roundtable discussion evenings around particular topics and areas that we would like to hear from you about. And so we invite you to come and to participate in this very exciting time in our church's life. God, in his mercy, has already made us alive with Christ. He has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. And in Christ, we are already one. And we are now called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Called to make visible this invisible mystery in the heavenly places. This is the calling of the church. For 85 years, our church has sought hard to carry out this calling. We have stumbled and we have also succeeded each step along the way. That is the way of God's grace, isn't it? That along the way, we stumble and we succeed. And God's grace is there the entire time. We want to be sure as a congregation that we continue to make every effort to continue this calling to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. God in heaven, we, we thank you for this great mystery that right now in the heavenly places, each of us are together with you, seated at the right hand of God. This is a great mystery. I do not know, understand it. I, we don't know all that it means. But sometimes, Lord, in your grace, we get a picture of it. So we thank you. Lord, and we ask now for your leading and for your direction. Lord, I pray for each person who sits down to fill out this survey that you would bring to them stories in their minds that they would be able to tell. Lord, that you would give them a spirit of, of honesty and candidness so that we can hear truly about our experience. And Lord, as the leadership receives this survey and the results of this, God, that we would be able to hear it and discern your voice in it. Lord, we need your help in this process. God, and I pray that at the end of this time, 
uh, next spring in April or May or June when it's all over. Lord, we pray that we would have a very clear sense that you have spoken and that you are leading, that you are out in front of us, leading us and guiding us. We're here and we submit to you. And Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.